Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. If you open up your Bibles, either one of the Pew Bibles or on your phone, to um, Isaiah 40 um, verses 1 to 11. It's page 1119 in the Pew Bible. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that a hard service has been completed, that a sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid, says to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with them, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd." He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Our next Bible reading is in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptising in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to to him, confessing their sins. They were baptised by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After him will come one more powerful than I. The thongs of those sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be able to... uh, join you this morning and share God's word with you. Lots of you I know. Uh, For those of you who don't, come and say hi to me. I'd love to meet you. Um, uh, Simon's asked me to visit this morning. I think he's away uh, somewhere. And uh, some of you know me as uh, Christine's boss. So uh, that's uh, that's exciting. She's great to work with as we seek to reach international students with the message about Jesus. Uh, Abba, I pray, and we'll have a look at God's Word. Father God, thank you uh, that you are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our time of need, 
Uh, please help us to hear your words this morning, for me to speak and say what is true, and for us to respond to you in trust and obedience. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, comfort is something that so many are in need of, isn't it? Those who are sick, tired, suffering, those who are dying, those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, those who've experienced relationship breakdown, the victims of crime, just those who've made a mess of their lives and know it, the down and depressed, those for whom life is just hard, those who've fled war and hardship. Our family is involved with the Ukrainian community here in Adelaide a bit, and we meet families regularly who've fled the conflict there, leaving everything behind. They're people who need comfort, aren't they? Of course, there's less obvious things too. There's those who just seem to have everything together in their life, yet they've found no satisfaction and they continue to look for more. There's always room for comfort, I think. Comfort is something that God's people needed and longed for throughout the scriptures too. Uh, you're in this series leading up to Christmas, joining in with the longings of God's Old Testament people for their coming Messiah. Uh, I think last week you read from Genesis 3, does that sound right? Yes, yeah, some nods, that's good. Uh, the moment when the first man and woman rebel against God, the God who made them, the God who gave them life and everything else and ruled over them. It's a moment that leaves them longing for comfort and restoration of God's blessing. As God's curses roll out in Genesis 3, there's things like pain in childbirth, disordered relationships, cursed ground, frustrating and hard work, and ultimately death. Their experience is still ours today, isn't it, in many ways. Many, many are separated from and ignorant of God, longing for comfort. Genesis 3, not without hope though, I think you especially zoomed in on verse 15 where God hints of a future serpent crusher who will reverse the work of the snake. And from that moment we are on the lookout for this person, this serpent crusher who will destroy evil and bring God's blessing to God's people once again. But that day is far away, and more often than not, God's people simply continue in the footsteps of Adam, turning from God in disobedience and rebellion, and rightfully coming under his wrath and judgment. And so we come to Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah, the prophet, he lived in the 8th century BC, and he writes, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God's people still need comfort because things haven't changed that much. There's pockets of hope in the first half of Isaiah, to be sure, but really it's dominated by God's judgment on his people. The book opens with words like this. Have a listen to these words from chapter 1 of Isaiah. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. 
Chapter 3, it doesn't improve. Jerusalem staggers. Judah is falling. Their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide them. Woe to them. They have brought disaster upon themselves. Uh, Immediately before chapter 40, our passage today, there's this narrative section concerning King Hezekiah, one of the kings of Jerusalem. Uh, Hezekiah becomes ill and is told by God that he will die. But he cries out to God for mercy and is given another 15 years of life. But then something curious happens. There's some, some envoys from the city of Babylon come to see him and they congratulate him on his recovery from sickness. Uh, Hezekiah, the king, he receives them gladly and he shows them everything in his palace, all his treasures, every tre- uh, everything in the temple and what he has. Uh, but God again speaks to Hezekiah, warning that a time will come when all those treasures and God's people will be carried off to that city of Babylon. And indeed, that's what happens if you know your Bible history. Little more than a hundred years later, the army of Babylon invades the land of God's people. God hands Jerusalem over because of their great sin, just as he said he would. In Genesis 3, God banished his people from the garden away from his presence. And in the exile to Babylon, God is doing exactly the same thing again. God sends his people away from the land, away from the temple, away from his presence. Still, God's people are separated from him because of sin. Still, they suffer his judgment. Still, they long for comfort and restoration and returning from curse to blessing. Now, uh, these are, the events of the, the exile are not explicitly mentioned in Isaiah. Instead, when we come to chapter 40, it seems that the prophet looks beyond this time to, uh, to a time when God will once again comfort his people. Uh, that time we read, we read these verses. Have your Bibles open with me to Isaiah 40 as we work through it. Uh, the, the opening of it, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now to start with, don't miss why comfort is needed. Why is comfort needed? See, in both Genesis and Isaiah, curse and suffering come because of sin and rebellion against God. When we think about the things that cause pain and distress in our world, I think we can sometimes forget this. We can think that some are just unlucky that they suffer, that, you know, you're born in the wrong place at the wrong time. We can think that the problem is out there with others, maybe, Powerful, unjust, authoritarian regimes, greedy corporations exploiting people and the environment. And while these things are true, really the problems are universal. 
all of humanity, from the smallest to the greatest, have turned from God. In our natural state, all of us come under God's judgment and suffer the consequences of this fallen, broken world that we find ourselves in. All of us are longing for comfort. And it's a comfort that we just seem unable to bring about ourselves. Despite our efforts of education or political reform or climate agreements or whatever it is, again and again we fail and suffering and injustice continue. I wonder where you and I are searching for comfort. And will those places that we seek comfort really address the root cause of why we need that comfort? See, maybe, maybe we search for comfort in distraction from the hardships of life. Work or shopping. Does anyone do like shopping distraction for, for it to get comfort? Yeah. That's right. I remember when I was a, a student many, many years ago, after a particularly bad exam, one of my fellow students says, that's it, I'm going shopping. Entertainment, holidays, food. We have that expression, don't we? What is it? Comfort food. Is that where we are? Are they the things, places we are searching for comfort? Or maybe it's in relationships. The possibility of relationship with another, that's where I will find my comforting space. But well, those kind of things, will they really deal with the true reasons that we need and long for and wait for comfort? Will they really deal with our sin and rebellion against God? You know, if our, if our own efforts to find and bring comfort so often fail, what is it that could bring comfort in such a situation? In the situation that God's people find themselves in, the exile, what will comfort them who've lost everything? Their city, Jerusalem, is destroyed. The temple, symbol of God's presence, is destroyed. They've been abandoned by their God. The people are killed by the sword and starvation or taken captive to a faraway land. Their identity is lost. And they see and know that it is because of their great sin that all this has happened. What will bring them comfort? Well, I think there's three things that come out of this message of good news in verses 1 to 11. Firstly, payment for sin will bring comfort. Secondly, the presence of God will bring comfort. And thirdly, the rule of God will bring comfort. Let's have a look at these three things and see what we... Uh, we'll see that uh, we need, what we need as we wait for comfort in our broken world is not that different. Firstly, God's people receive comfort because sin is paid for. <clears throat> Look again with me at verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Comfort comes because the sin of God's people is dealt with. They knew that God had sent them to Babylon because of their sin. And so they knew that there could be no true comfort unless there was also forgiveness. Sin is always like this. When you know you've done what is wrong, 
there is no comfort like forgiveness, is there? Knowing that there is no longer debt and guilt hanging over your head. Maybe you know that feeling when you, you've sinned against another and things are not good between you. It can keep you awake at night. It can eat you from the inside out with worry and anxiety. But how good is it when sin is dealt with, when there's forgiveness and reconciliation? What joy, what freedom, what comfort. It's a good time to ask ourselves this kind of question. Are you living with unconfessed sin? Perhaps it's something that few people or even nobody knows or sees. Pornography or habitual lies or uncontrolled anger at home. Maybe it's dishonesty at work or drinking too much or sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you're just impatient. I have the, the sin of impatience on the road, especially when people beat me. Selfishness that saps the life out of your family relationships. Greed leaning, leading to gambling or stealing. But deep down you know that God sees these things. God sees these hidden, unconfessed sins in our lives. Is there some issue or conflict between you and a fellow brother or sister in Christ here at church? Is there... Is that eating at you even as you try and suppress it? Friends, this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus came. He came to offer himself on the cross that our sins might be paid for in full. There's nothing left owing. We don't have to work off some unpaid debt now or in the future. In the words of that great hymn, Jesus has paid it all in his one true, perfect sacrifice for sin on the cross. His work covers everything. That's great news. If you've got unconfessed sin, hold on to that, grab onto that. You know, God is faithful and is quick to forgive our sins when we confess to him. Turn back to him, turn away from sin, and receive comfort of knowing that things can be and are right between you and God and they can be right between you and others. This kind of comfort is for all of us, for those of us here who are Christian and those of us who are not. If you're with us today and you're not a Christian, or you're not sure, actually, whether you feel it or not, you do need the comfort of knowing that you are right with God, forgiven in his family. And I'd love to invite you to turn to God to admit that you haven't honoured him or thanked him as you should and receive the forgiveness and comfort that he offers through Jesus. You can do that today. Talk to me afterwards or a Christian friend here. We'd love to help you meet Jesus for the first time. But it's just as important for those of us who are Christians, actually, to confess our sins, both as an individuals and as God's corporate people together. And the great news is that we can do this confidently. God is willing to forgive and comfort. He's more willing than we are to ask.
So comfort comes from knowing God's forgiveness. Second point coming from this this passage is that comfort comes from knowing God's presence, from knowing that God is with us. The theme of God coming to his people, it kind of winds throughout verses 1 to 11. Maybe look at, look at verse 3 with me. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. So even the most inhospitable parts of creation will be flattened and opened up. Nothing will get in the way of God coming to his people here. Similarly, in verse 9, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. God's presence is shouted out across the earth. This is so important for comfort to come to Jerusalem. In the exile, God had sent his people out of the land, away from him. Uh, The prophet Ezekiel, writing at the time of the exile, he has visions showing the glory of God departing from the temple. God is leaving. And the temple, the symbol of God's presence among his people, is completely destroyed. If there's going to be any sort of comfort for Judah at this time, God is going to have to return to them. They're going to have to experience his presence living among them once again. But of course, knowing God and his presence, that is no less important for us. In the end, this is what we were created for. God made us to know him, to enjoy his presence forever. That's the picture at the beginning of the Bible in the garden, isn't it? Of God's people walking with him in the garden. That's the picture right at the end of the Bible of God living with his people forever. And this is what we see in Jesus. Uh, Our second reading from the opening of Mark's gospel begins with a quotation from this very chapter in Isaiah, doesn't it? Uh, The images switch slightly from the desert itself preparing for God's coming to a person in the desert, a person in the wilderness calling on God's people to get ready for God to come to them. And then John the Baptist turns up in the desert. And he comes with a message of repentance, telling people to prepare the way for the coming. For the coming of who? Well, for the coming of Jesus. Jesus, who is God, come to this world in the flesh. Can you imagine, just put yourself back in the the shoes of Judah and Israel at that time. They've been waiting for hundreds of years for this moment. Hundreds of years for God to turn up, bringing blessing, salvation and comfort for his people. You know, in... Uh, Back in Isaiah 40, verses 6 and 8, we read that human faithfulness is like grass. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But God's word stands forever. 
He promised to bring comfort to his people, and he fulfilled that promise and more in the coming of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God, Jesus, and of God the Father with us through the Holy Spirit poured out into our lives, that's what brings us true comfort today. You know, how comforting is it to sit down and dwell on the Scriptures when we need it? To read about Jesus, who had time for the poor, who had time for the outcast, time for the unloved. To read about Jesus, who ate with sinners and tax collectors, giving them dignity and opportunity to know him. Are you in need of comfort this morning? How long is it since you read through some of the Gospels of Jesus and saw afresh the love of Jesus for you and the world? Or are you in a place this morning where you can provide comfort to others? There is nothing better than you can do than open up the Bible with them. One of the things I love to do to comfort those is to open up the book of Psalms and read. So clear, they show so clearly the experience of writers who need comfort and find comfort in knowing God and knowing God is with them. Or you could read through Mark's gospel and show what happens when people experience the comfort of Jesus' presence in their lives. After the service today, why not share with someone else how you found comfort in Jesus being with you? Because comfort comes from experiencing God's presence. Finally, in these verses, we see that comfort comes from coming under God's rule. You see, God is not only coming to his people in Isaiah 40, he's coming with power to rule over them. In verse 10, we read, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. Verse 11, the writer goes on, He he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God is with his people. God is ruling with power, yet gently caring for his people in that. You know, in the chaos of our world, we long for that kind of leadership, I think. Leadership which is powerful, yet at the same time gentle and loving. How rare is that among rulers today? How rare. But this is exactly the kind of leader we find in Jesus. One who is powerful. And I think as he's, uh, after, that, after Mark, after he's introduced and baptised by John the Baptist, he begins his ministry and we see his power at work, don't we? His power defeating sickness, defeating evil as he casts out demons. And ultimately, of course, Jesus defeats death in his resurrection. But also one who is so gentle, one who reaches out and touches the man with leprosy, one who welcomes those to come to him, whatever their past. I think we sometimes get Jesus wrong at this point. We can fear Jesus' lordship. 
as if he'll take the fun out of life or restrict our freedom. And somehow it's, it's kind of bad to, to come have Jesus as your boss or leader or ruler. But actually the opposite is true. When we entrust ourselves to Jesus and truly make him our king in every part of life, we find he knows exactly what we need and exactly what is good for us. We can trust him to take care of care of us when we are afraid. We can trust him to lead us according to his will. We can trust him to bring us safely into his kingdom. Will you trust Jesus to run your life? Even when what he asks of us, it seems so out of sync with the world around us. Will you trust him to run your life? I, he's powerful yet gentle with his people. Comfort comes from living under God's rule. Well, let me summarize and finish. In Isaiah 40, we read that God's people were waiting and longing for comfort. And as we look forward to Christmas, the coming of Jesus, we see that he's the one who brings that true comfort that all in our world are longing and waiting for. He brings comfort by fully paying for our sins in his death and rising to new life. He brings comfort because his presence is always with us in his Holy Spirit. And he brings comfort because he leads us in power and with gentleness. So whether you are a Christian here today or someone who is not sure, won't you come to him for forgiveness? Won't you come to him to know his presence? Won't you come under his lordship? Won't you come to him for comfort? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in our time of need that he is the one who comforts us. We thank you that we have forgiveness in him. We thank you that you are with us in him. We thank you that we can trust Jesus to run our lives. Help us to believe this and to do it. And we pray now that as we find comfort in you, that you, we will in turn, you will help us to comfort others with that same comfort that we have received, pointing them to Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.